First Peter chapter 1 starting at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, yeah, please keep your Bibles open uh, so that you can follow along as we work our way through those verses this morning. Uh, I don't know if you've ever walked into a place uh, and had that feeling, you know, the moment you step in that you realise you, you actually don't fit there. Uh, maybe you've walked into a hotel and realised the moment you've stepped in the door that everyone there makes a whole lot more money than you and you don't belong. Maybe you've gone out to a restaurant, uh, you've just dressed up as you would normally go to a restaurant, you walk inside and everyone is dressed beautifully and you think, done it again, I don't belong. Uh, sometimes you get it in country pubs, you know, you walk into the, the country pub in a small town uh, and the, just from the moment you walk in you, you realise the way everyone's looking at you, this is a locals pub and you're clearly not a local. It's awkward, isn't it? I mean, you, you feel like you stick out, you, you feel like everyone's looking at you, you feel like you don't belong. Uh, you're just acutely aware that there's a difference between you and everyone else who's there and it's hard, it feels strange. Now, have you ever felt that way as a Christian in this world? Out of place? Uh, like you don't belong? Because in this letter, Peter is very upfront here and he's going he's to come back to this idea. He's saying that's how you should feel. You should feel a bit out. You should feel a bit like you don't belong. Uh, he says there right in verse 1, you are strangers in this world. Uh, the word means exiles or it means sojourners or travellers. You don't belong. And that might be a little bit confronting. That's a bit of a strange idea. 
But Peter doesn't actually mean it as a negative thing. And in fact, again and again as we go through this letter, we're going to see that this is actually a really good thing that he's talking about. Being a stranger in this world tells us something really important about ourselves and about who we are and about how we're to live. And that's what we're going to see as we work our way through this letter over the next few weeks. Now one thing that can help uh, when you're feeling discomfort or feeling out of place in a restaurant or a hotel or a pub is, is having a reason for being there. Uh, having, having a purpose to be there. And it's true as well for Christians in this world. We have a reason for being, we have a purpose and as we're going to see this morning, we have a hope which helps us as we live even though we might be strangers. And we're going to be looking more at that hope this morning. Uh, you might have noticed as Sandra was reading, First uh, Peter is a happy letter. It certainly starts happy. Look again with me at verses 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time there's a lot uh, in there, but the starting words uh, set the tone for what Peter is tell- talking about. Praise and, and blessing and rejoicing. We might be strangers in the world, true, but what matter is that in, how, in the light of how good God is? Uh, how good is God? What has he done? Well, we're told there he's shown mercy and not just any mercy, he's shown great mercy to his people. And that mercy has meant the new birth of his people, of all God's people, his Christians. And there we have the reason why Christians don't belong, uh, why Christians are different in this world. It is because we've been born again. It's because we've had a new birth. Now, of course, not a literal new birth. He's talking about uh, being born again spiritually. When you come to trust in Jesus and put your faith in him, you are born again. And as someone born again... You now belong somewhere different. You belong somewhere else. Um, It's a bit like how it is in the world for us, you know, where you're born, uh, you gain citizenship there. You, you by birth, belong there. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Had Amira been born in New Zealand, she could have been a citizen there. I don't know what benefit that would have ever done for her, but that could have been true. Uh, Some of you were born in Holland. Um, You could, maybe you do, still hold citizenship there. Uh, And it's true here as well. When you come to believe in Jesus, when you receive that new birth by trusting in him, something amazing happens, you're born again and you belong to him. With that new birth comes a new citizenship. Uh, Your old one, your belonging to the world, is (coughs) cancelled and you're given new papers, new citizenship papers. You now belong to the new world, to God's kingdom. It's no wonder we feel a bit like strangers in the world because we're not citizens of the world anymore. We're citizens of God's new world. But what does that mean for us? What does that actually look like in our lives? Well, what Peter's telling us here is it is very much to our benefit (laughs) because what we get is all the good stuff of our new nation, of the new kingdom that we belong to. And here is how Peter describes it. Uh, In his great mercy he has given us new birth 
into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. God's people are new born again into his kingdom and as a result they have a, a, a living hope. Not just a hope but a living hope. What does that mean? What does that actually mean? Well, it's clearly different to how we usually speak of hope. Uh, you know, we say, I hope, I hope we're going to have pizza tonight. Um, I hope, I actually do hope that. Uh, <laughs> I hope the weather's nice tomorrow. Um, you know, but, but, but that's, that's different, isn't it? You know, we're talking about, uh, I want that or I wish we would have that. When we talk about hope in context of the Bible, we're talking about so much more. Uh, when the Bible talks about hope, it is talking about the concrete foundation that your life rests on. It is talking about what lets you live confidently and well. Your hope is the certain thing that your life is pinned on, that your existence and the way you act rests on. And sometimes we do actually talk about hope a bit like that. You know, we say, I'm really hoping I'll get that job, meaning uh, I'm depending on that job. I need it for, uh, for my work, for the structure of my week. I need it for my income and my ability to live. Or we might say, I'm, I'm hoping that test comes back clear. Uh, it's not just that I wish or I want that, but I'm resting my life and how I'm living now on the fact that that will come back clear and that then I can live certainly and confidently. Well, the Bible is saying when we become gods, when we are born again, we gain a new hope and not just any hope. We gain a hope that is living, a hope that literally is alive. Because as Peter shows us here, our hope is Jesus. Jesus who, as he tells us, is resurrected from the dead, who has been raised and who lives today. Our hope is him and is his life. Because he lives, so too does our hope live, even today. Our concrete foundation for life is Jesus and he allows us to live confidently and well. Uh, we, have, we have that saying, don't we? You know, where there's life, there's hope. You know, if there's still a glimmer of life and there's still a glimmer of hope, um, for many years it was the motto of our indoor plants, where there's a glimmer of life, there's a glimmer of hope. And that's why Jesus is the very best hope because there is so much more than a glimmer of life here, isn't there? Jesus lives, in fact, he is more alive than anyone else or anything else. He's so alive, he's come back from death. He's beaten it. He is truly alive. He is our living hope. Uh, people have all sorts of hopes in the world, don't they? I mean, we, we, we hope in our work. We hope in our families. We hope in maybe the legacy we might leave. We might hope in, in being a good enough person. But there's a flaw to all of them, isn't there? All of those hopes are limited because all of those hopes are tied to this world. They last while, while you last and then they're gone. They are finite, they are limited. But not our hope. Because our hope lives. Jesus died, yet was raised. He is alive today and he is far bigger and greater than this world. Our hope is not dead nor dying, it is living, it is dependable, it is eternal. And he is the hope of all who trust in him. Not just a slim hope either, 
but we're told here by Peter a rich hope uh, because that hope, as he says in verse 4, is into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept for you in heaven. See, we, we, this hope, this hope of eternal life is also the hope of an inheritance, a hope of something good that's coming, something that is imperishable, something that is unfading, not a, possible, not, not, not a possibility but a certain hope because it is kept for us by the God who keeps us for it. And that inheritance will be seen when Jesus returns. See, what concern is it if we feel out of place in this world when we have a hope like this, when we have a promise like this to look to? I mean, what matter is it when this is our basis for existence, this is the purpose we live to, this is the future that we're looking towards? See, all our hopes are nothing next to this one that God has given us in Jesus. Kids can be our great joy, uh, but they can't be our hope. Kids are going to let us down. Kids are going to disappoint us and frustrate us. There may even come a day when our kids reject us. Uh, Kids can be a joy, but they can never be our hope. Uh, Retirement retirement can be a joy. It can be a goal to work towards. The the idea of a a break, a rest, a a time of enjoying the fruits of your labour, that's a good thing. But sometimes the funds run out or our health fails or our family needs us. See, again, retirement can be a joy but it can't be our hope and we could go on, couldn't we? All of our earthly hopes change, they shift, they fail eventually. But our hope in Jesus never does because he is our living hope. He is the only living hope. He is the hope we need. Because as Peter tells us, there are times coming when we are going to need a good hope. In fact, where we're going to need a really good hope, a strong hope. That's what he shows us next. Look with me at verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He's saying there are tough times ahead. Perhaps they've already started. Perhaps even now you're going through them. Uh, For his readers, for the the guys he wrote to originally, uh, it was certainly true. Uh, There had been a time of great peace for them, but that was coming to an end. Uh, And where they lived, there was a growing intolerance of Christianity. It wasn't yet at the point where there was physical attack or or danger to their life, but there was certainly pressure. Uh, Verbal pressure, uh, emotional pressure, economic pressure. They were starting to find it hard to be a Christian. But not only those things, uh, other trials too, perhaps trials that are more relatable to us, simply the hurts of of living in a fallen world, Uh, the hurts of injury or illness or loss or death. Uh, These things, they're immensely painful, they're immensely difficult and yet what Peter's reminding us here is that Christians can face them and do so even with joy. Uh, We don't mean by that we we have to laugh through hurt, we have to make jokes when, when things are tough. Uh, We're not talking about being flippant here but having a joy that keeps us confident, that keeps us sure. (coughs) Feeling the hurts, no doubt, but not shaken by them. How is that possible? How can that be? Well, Peter tells us our living hope is greater than any trial. Look at the description he gives in verses 8 through 9. 
Though you have not seen him, you love him. Talking about Jesus here. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now Peter, of course, Peter had seen Jesus. Peter had walked with him and talked with him, known him personally as, as a friend. But these Christians hadn't, much like us. And yet he can say, you love him still. You believe him still, even though you've never seen him. Why? Because you know that he is your living hope. And through him, through the hope that he gives, they could be joyful. Because they know in him is their life, their salvation, their eternity. They know in him there is a hope that is bigger than any suffering. In fact, there is a hope that puts suffering well into its place. Look at verse 7. These have come, the trials, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, hope makes suffering no less painful but it does make it far more bearable. Uh, I get lots of joy out of mountain bike riding. Um, I, I think it's great. I, I, I love it. Uh, but mostly out of the downhills. Um, I enjoy going uphill a whole lot less. Uh, if you ask me to come ride with you and it's going to be all uphill, um, no, nah, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not doing it. See, the, the, the reason I ride up a hill is so I can ride back down it. Uh, the reason that I can keep going up a hill is that I know that every pedal stroke up means a little bit more time going down and, and that keeps me going. It keeps me going through the hurt and the pain and the, the, the frustration and so too with our hope. Our living hope helps us in two ways. Firstly, it gives us something far bigger to fix our eyes on. It gives us something that is beautiful, something that is wonderful, something that is good even in our pain. Because that hope that we have in Jesus is untouched by our hurts. It is far bigger than our hurts. It is far more certain and permanent than all of them. And even in our darkest times, that hope can keep us going. But secondly, our living hope also reminds us that better is coming. That this will not be forever. Instead, we have a glorious inheritance promised to us by our living hope. It is perfect. It is wonderful. It is eternal and no hurt, no trial, no suffering is able to touch it or taint it or take it away. It is secure because as we're promised here, it is kept for us by God, the very God who keeps us for it. And that hope is so good, so beautiful, that next to it our sufferings, as painful and as hard as they surely are, seem smaller. That They have to, that's how good it is. They are no less painful but they are far less earth shattering because our hope is so good. And so rather than breaking us, our trials instead refine us and make us better. Peter uh, likens it to gold. You know, gold is, is refined in the fire, it's, it's melted down, uh, its impurities are, are removed and it's better for it. It's, it's, it's hard for it, it passes through the fire but it's better for it except one day gold will pass on. One day gold will pass away and your faith, Peter says, never will. 
It is far more precious. It is far more permanent. It is alive. Trials are hard, but your hope is better. You will suffer. Uh, There were times where you will suffer just for the fact of being a Christian. But whatever trials come your way, your hope is still better. It will keep you through and it will even do so that when Jesus returns, it will be to his praise and his glory and his honour. Look, I I mean, I wish I could stand here this morning and say that if you believe in Jesus, you're never going to suffer again. (laughs) That that would be an easy, it would be a far shorter message. Uh, It would be an easier message. But I can't tell you that. Uh, Instead, I can tell you something far better, which is what Peter tells us here. You will suffer, uh, you will experience hurts, you will face trials and hardships of many different kinds. They will come your way, but they will never be bigger than your hope. Your suffering will be hard, sometimes it will make you despair, it will hurt, but your hope is better. Your suffering will cause you great pain and much grief, but it will bear fruit that lasts into eternity. Because your hope is alive and your inheritance in Christ is secure. Now with all this talk of suffering and hurt and trials and whatnot, it it might just be tempting to think, if only we lived in a different time. (laughs) You know, there must be a time where we could perhaps avoid a lot of these things, Uh, maybe a time with less difficulties, with less fears, then everything would be easier. We wouldn't have to worry about this. Uh, Maybe... Maybe we could live back in the days when Jesus was alive. You know, that would be pretty exciting. How good would that be? Uh, it would be cool to have him around. We might even think, well, maybe we could live even just a few decades ago. Uh, the world was so much simpler back then. Everything was a bit clearer. Uh, morals were a bit more easier to understand. Maybe it would just be easier to go back 50 years, 60 years, 100 years. I don't know. Our passage says no, it's not. It's not easier, it's not better. Look with me at verses 10 through 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets uh, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with great care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. See, what Peter's saying is our time's best. Our time is the greatest. Uh, Even these prophets, you know, the heroes of the faith who who wrote remarkable things, who did and saw incredible things, even they longed for our time. Because what we take for granted, our knowledge of how God works and what he's done in Jesus, they long to look into they, they, they wrote about it but they never saw it. The, the Spirit, we're told, gave them hints and gave them pictures of what to come and what to write but they didn't know what God was going to do. They didn't know Jesus' name. They didn't see that God was going to act uh, through the cross. They didn't have the full picture that we have and they longed for it. In many ways, our knowledge of God's plan far exceeds theirs. What they longed for, we so readily have and not just them, not just the prophets, but even the angels, even these these great heavenly spiritual beings long to look into, long to understand what God has done in Jesus, what we have received. 
Uh, in some ways, I think it's a bit like uh, the work of a draftsman or the work of a builder. Uh, the two careers that I've obviously not gone into, uh, but interesting, but it always struck me as they must be a little bit unsatisfying. You know, a draftsman spends his days uh, drawing up plans for houses, you know, making sure they're all right and getting them perfect, but very rarely gets to see the finished product. Uh, or a builder, you know, a builder uh, puts these houses together, makes them, makes them uh, right and whatnot. He sees them, but never gets to live in them. Well, what Peter seems to be telling us is prophets are like draftsmen, angels are like builders, and yet we, by grace, are like owner-occupiers. What they saw from a distance, what they even saw come into being, perhaps, we get to live. We get to live it. It is our daily experience. This living hope is ours. God has made his plan of salvation known to us. He has revealed it in full and he has fulfilled it in Jesus. What they only could look forward to, we have received. We know our living hope for Jesus is alive. So sure, we will have hardships, we will have challenges, but what we have through them all is what even prophets and angels long to see. The fullness of grace in Jesus, his death paying the penalty for our sin, adoption into God's family and the Holy Spirit to live into our hearts. Our time is a time of immense blessing, of incredible privilege, for that hope that we know is precious and beautiful and it is ours in Jesus. So maybe you do feel a bit out of place in this world as a Christian. Uh, If so, great. (laughs) I'm really glad by that because that's kind of the point. We have something special in Jesus that sets us apart. Uh, God's plan fulfilled, God's power to sustain, uh, God's living hope to cling to. We are in this world, yet not of it. And yet through it we have a reason to live, a certainty and a security for Jesus lives and so do we. And his life is our living hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for you have given to us something so precious and so wonderful. You have given us Jesus our living hope to rest our life on. Father, you know how important it is for us to have a hope through this life and you have given us the best one. Jesus, who lives our life secured in him and our inheritance for eternity kept by you. Father, help us to be thankful for this hope. Help us to prize it above all other things and may it be a great support for us so that when things get tough, as they will, Not only will this hope keep us through, but it will help us to pass through confidently and well to your praise and your glory and your honour. In Jesus we pray. Amen.